Welcome back once again to the Ryder Brothers podcast. My name is PD York, your host this evening. Today I'm joined by my co-producer, uh, Poyo Zapatos. Poyo Zapatos. Huh? Poyo Zapatos. I'm, I'm going to say that and butcher it like a good American every single time I say it, but I'll get it eventually. It'll be our last episode. I'll finally say it right. Today, we are joined by our special guest this evening, Carrion Witch in Residence. Carrion, why don't you go ahead and take a second, introduce yourself, and explain why you're here today. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. My name is Corion. Uh, I am YouTube's official, unofficial Witch in Residence. Um, I typically am on various streams talking about pop culture and my take on it as a spiritualist, a occultist, and generally purveyor of all things weird and strange. Um I was so graciously invited uh, to the channel after uh, these fine gentlemen managed to make it onto Doomcock's channel, and uh, we got to talking, and uh, yeah, they were gracious enough to invite me here, so I'm ready to go and ready to chat about just about anything. All right, well, first, that brings us to our first topic of the night. Now, get a little uh, music going in the backdrop there. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Apple TV's new show, Severance, uh, the psychological thriller that takes place in, um, in, I wouldn't really say quite dystopian type corporate world just yet, um, because, uh, well, the basic premise of the show is that it takes place in a small town, I believe it's Delaware, is what I uh, understand, where the corporate world has introduced this new concept, where what it does is it basically separates your work memories from your playtime memories as a concept it sounds pretty awesome right you go into work for eight hours you do your job and then when you're done you have no memory of the uh, experience your day starts when you go into the elevator and then you end it after you get off sorry we're still figuring out our levels here all right so we'll go ahead and start with our first guest uh, mr carrion what is your initial impression of Severance? Well, I mean, I've only gotten through the first two episodes so far. It's definitely shaping up to be an interesting concept. Um, so far, I have enjoyed Christopher Walken in it. Um, I think it's an interesting idea. I definitely think it's what uh, bosses in previous jobs I've had have uh, certainly wanted to uh, get rid of the out-of-work talk during work. Um, that being said, I feel like there's a definitely a an interesting sinister undertone that I think is going to play out more as the series progresses. Um, you know, I mean, we're definitely looking at, you know, a very, you know, could go dystopian at any moment kind of world. Uh, reminds me a lot actually also of the uh, show Dollhouse. Uh, that was a ancient Joss Whedon uh, thing before he was a terrible human being. Um, where, you know, they'd uh, write new personalities to individuals during the uh, course of the show. So I feel like uh, Severance has definitely got some interesting ideas. I'm curious to see where it goes from here and uh, how the whole story plays out. Uh, you're muted, my friend. Got to get used to the got to get used to the, the process still. I think the concept itself is is really amazing. Um, in of itself that regardless of what the show's plot goes to um, I'm just going to be glad to have at least watched something like this this is 
this is basically the reason why I love sci-fi as much as I do. It's it's a con. It's not. I mean, not really an original concept. I mean, originality is kind of overplayed at this point. But it takes ideas and it puts it into this into this reality of what what is your work self going to be like? How are they going to? You know, what are the consequences of what sounds like a great idea? And so far, I mean, the show has just really got you by the edge of your seat without being super. <laughs> I, I mean, the best way to describe it is it's like it's 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 excitingly boring. It's how I would probably describe it. And it does such a great job of keeping you like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? But there's no guns. There's no shooting. Nobody's getting killed as far as we know. And it's it's I like it. I'm really even however the plot plays out i think it's just going to be a good good concept to just explore in of itself so it gets a kind of gets an automatic pass and recommendation for me to at least watch once john what are your thoughts i find it extremely interesting i think it's like one of the scarier slow burns i've watched in a while with everything from like the break room being this like terrifying place you don't want to go to to like the fact that it's not necessarily like everybody's separate as far as we can tell because like there's these four characters here in this photo and then there's also like their like bosses that may or may not be like severed because they seem to be able to roam free and like watch you at least that's what's like being alluded to and that whole conversation seems really confusing because it's like, who are they picking to be severed and why? I feel like there's a little bit of a like mental instability among the Chosen and like they're playing on it while also using it to their financial benefit. It's pretty interesting and, and it just makes me want to figure out what's going on. It's, it keeps making my brain explode with possibility and I love that about a show. So I, I, I'm definitely tuning in to the finish. Absolutely. Uh, carry on. Any follow-up thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is definitely asking some very, very interesting questions, right? I mean, if we even just start with the concept of what are you like when you don't have your memories, right? Um, you know, and, and taking it to even more interesting places of if you remove somebody's personality, what's left of them, right? And how are they going to behave? And, um, and yeah, I, I definitely think that Christopher Walken's character, um, I don't necessarily think he's been severed. Uh, I do think that the trying to enforce discipline with something like the break room, which really seems more like a break the human room. Um, mm. You know, um, it is a fascinating idea. And I mean, could you even raise a hand or, or be upset about a problem if, you know, the you, when you're out of the office, doesn't know about it? Right? It, you know, they, yeah. like this seems no like the... time to mull anything over. Right. This completely seems like a, a, you know, a evil corporation's wet dream when you really think about it, right? Because they can oh, yeah. really control the flow of information in and out of that building. Oh, yeah. Facebook and Google must be salivating over this show. Like, okay, how do we make this happen? And it's like, no, 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 guys, the point of the show is 
to not do that. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's like why my point is is like their job seems very like specialized because it's not like they know what they're doing. They didn't get any training. Their like whole like the premise was just stare at the numbers till you get a feeling, and that feeling will tell you which box to open. And it's like they're just numbers, and and it was it's really a trip. And that's why I brought up the like mental instability thing is because like. The characters are very sporadic and like they're diverse in their like Audi is what they call it in the show. Their out their outside personality is very like barely holding on to a thread. And if you notice the main character, he was like losing his mind when people were calling him a slave. He was like, no, people who severed aren't slaves, except like he doesn't even know what he does. So I don't know, right. it seemed really like he's definitely dealing with a conundrum that he has no idea how to feel about because he doesn't have time to think all of his thoughts through in a day. And I think that's a weird thought. Yeah, well, and the actor, I mean, everybody is doing a fantastic job so far. Like by the end of episode two, I was like, okay, do I get to watch episode three now? You know, I got to wait a week, which, you know, works for us. Something to talk about at least once once every week. Give a little review recap, so to speak. Um, I hear going with the discussion, a thought occurred to me that the possibility, what if there is, because you make a good point, it kind of is a plot hole right now. Um, but this show does a very good job of explaining things backwards. Um, the cinematography and the music for this really just boost the show all that much more and the first episode where you see um uh heli when she's trying to leave and she keeps coming back i mean the editing was fantastic but uh i watched it a couple times to make sure i understood what was going on and of course sure enough they confirmed it in the second episode that every time she was going outside, her memory was switching back to her normal personality, and then she was being coached back in. And I thought that was just really well done, the fact that they had it go back and forth like she couldn't leave and she couldn't understand what was, you know, the, the innie couldn't understand what was going on. Um, but you bring up a valid point about the training, or rather lack thereof, that it seems. And I'm just wondering, what if there's a third severance that takes place that is used just to implant the training portion but it's meant as more of like a subconscious conditioning and that's what training consists of and then and then they kind of delete the memories as far mm. as like what happened but because it was training muscle memory that's why it's still imprinted so maybe that's why that that's part of what goes into pd having trouble with his reintegration he's not just reintegrating one set of memories he might be integrating multiple because who knows how many different personalities they've created and zapped over the course of them being placed in this work environment well, um, yeah I, my, theory, my theory on the whole the job was actually that like while i was watching it was maybe personal experiences get in the way of allowing a person to observe these patterns so removing mm. those personal experiences is actually making the job possible that's an interesting thought based off of what parker was just saying about the 
uh, using like different forms of training, what if that's part of that break room you described, Corian, with like their the emotion is like they're having a PTSD in the numbers. So part of the breaking is just staring at the numbers while getting a certain like feelings of emotions so that they can then and when they go out of that emotion room, they're like, okay, I'm refreshed and I'm recentered and I'm good at my job again. And all it is is just like reteaching them how to be better at following the rules emotionally. Yeah. Like it, it's like making them, like triggering them every time they see the numbers because they like torture that body, it, like torture that emotion out of them in each instance. Well, it's possible. I mean, you know, kudos to Ben Stiller for directing something this complicated but making it feel you know this intriguing along the way too yeah right out the gate we're already coming up with crazy ideas i think that's how you can tell a show is interesting at the very least but definitely worth the watch because it makes it more fun to wonder what's going to happen each week between yeah and honestly the the entire cast is is just playing everyone is doing such a fantastic job of making this world believable. Um, and not just because they're, you know, playing off each other very well, but it's also there, there's gotta, I gotta give credit where due to the, to the cast, at least the ones that we've seen on the outside world. Um, so I'm curious to see the differences that, that they are able to exercise in their craft of acting between the any personality and the Audi personality. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if, you know, one of them is like literally the same person inside and out. I think that'd be a, an interesting trope to play on. Uh, but I also got to give credit to the writers for this because I did not expect his neighbor to also be his boss. And also, as John brought up, I don't know if she's severed or not. I can't tell because she's just at first you think, oh, she's the annoying neighbor that's just giving him a hard time about the garbage cans. So she's obviously just one of those crazy types. You don't even think about her and, you know, you're just like, yeah, I got one of those or I've had one of those before. <laughs> you know, anyone who's ever lived in a house in the city, you chances are you've probably had that neighbor that just doesn't understand the way things work, especially in an HOA. There's always the new guy that moves in and can't follow the rules. So they use that to play off kind of that, that sort of stereotype. And wow, like the second that she started speaking, uh, my wife goes, oh, it's his boss. And I'm like, no way. Is that, are they really playing it that close? And sure enough. Uh, and so, and you can't tell you can't, you just, the way that, that, that you watch her performance, you're like, is she, is she all there or is she severed too? What's going on? And so, yeah, it creates more questions, which creates more discussion. And again, this is why I love sci-fi right here. This show is exactly why I love sci-fi. When you create unique concepts like this and they're thought provoking and they cause just discussions and theories and and the potential consequences of oh what if we tried that in real life and i'm already two episodes in and i'm like <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it is yeah, absolutely I, dystopian go ahead Corian. yeah i was gonna say the only thing that i'm concerned about is they are definitely raising a lot of questions and i'm hoping we're gonna get answers in a reasonable time frame like if they don't start answering things by like I would say episode four, or at least giving us a general idea, uh, they're going to be in trouble because I don't know if they're going to hold the audience with just mystery box after mystery box, right? Yeah. 
Cozy Koala in the chat says, it's the smirk that she has at the end of the second episode. Yes, I completely agree with that. That's really like, it's kind of like, is she just smiling to be cordial? Or is that an indicator of, I actually know everything, I'm not severed. And mm -hmm. so uh, I just, I'm ready for more. Um, but you do touch on a valid point and, you know, we'll probably, uh, this will probably step on some toes here, but we do have our, our one of our mutual uh, independent content creator friends has boldly stated openly his distaste for Lost. And I'm in agreement with him to the extent of that show did not feel like it had its ending planned out. And that is one of the, you bring up a very valid point, and I'm not just trying to call out Lost. A, a mystery box writing in general, I think, is one of the greatest frauds ever given to storytelling because... All it does is hype, hype, hype. And then when it comes time to deliver, you're like, well, what did I just spend three weeks of my life watching? You know, um, WandaVision, as good as a lot of those concepts were executed, it I just felt kind of it didn't really. I, I felt well, that one was maybe. one of those more hype and then fail to delivers types, uh, which is unfortunate because I did like a lot of what that show was doing. Um, and of course it also comes down to personal preference too. Like what expectations does the audience set for a resolution? And when that expectation isn't met, then the disappointment comes in. And I'm definitely guilty of that. I'll come out and say it like rogue one. I initially hated because it didn't follow any of my fan theories. And then when I watched it again with somebody else who was more rational about the film that that they just wanted to enjoy the movie i was like okay i can see the appeal it's not as terrible it was yeah. only bad because i created it in my head to be bad um mm -hmm. but it does do a lot of good things and people like wrote one so i don't know if it's this. so to relate that to this yes my my fear in the back of my mind is that we'll get to the end of the resolution and it'll just be oh man what but like i said for me, it still gets a pass for at least trying to explore the concept. So if they've got, it's fine to do mystery box writing. And I think the best way to do mystery box writing is just have your ending written down. Have your ending written out. You don't have to have your whole story art, but have the have the goal, have, have the end of the line out there and ready to get there. And then you can have all the fun you want getting to the end point. And in the end, you might hype yourself up a little too much. But if your end end goal is planned from the start, it'll likely go over better. Yeah. And so that's what I... I, I have ahead. a lot of faith in this one. Honestly, I've been following uh, Apple's latest releases lately. So I've watched the Ted Lasso and Suspicion and Invasion and even uh, their... I want to say it was Macbeth. Um, I, I'm bad with the name. I... Uh, one, the newer one but i've just noticed that they have this consistency of quality content wait and I the think Macbeth, is... are you talking about the new one with uh, uh danzel washington yes oh that's out now yeah on the apple so this, so apple oh. has been delivering a lot of just quality content but it, it is a lot of this slow burn quiet creeping but it See, like I have a lot of faith that it will deliver because everything else so far has. 
Uh, I don't know if there's any Servant fans watching or who have seen Servant up to where it's at now. It is, that's one of the most bizarre psychological thrillers I've ever watched because it deals with something that like parents deal with in terms of losing a child at a young age. But then it also plays into this whole thing about it might be ghosts. And every season ends on like, a, it's like, it's like it could be canceled and you'd be okay with it being over, but it's definitely not over because like when the next season comes out, it blows your mind. So I have a lot of faith that this will end nicely, but I doubt it will end in a single season. So I, I, I think there's a lot to come with this one. No, I think there's a lot of potential here. What I think my whole thing is you can only pose questions for so long in a season before you have to answer at least a couple of them. Not necessarily oh. the major questions, but at least some of the, the ancillary questions to give us enough food to be able to keep that um, theorizing going. Yeah, I like that. that. That's really well said. I like the idea of them, especially if they use a lot of misnomers and misdirects. I find that to be one of the most fun things, especially about the longer series shows, like the ones that go seasons in a row where like you're like, oh, they answered that question already. And they're like, no, we did not. We just yep. totally so, lied so to you. To put so, this in, yeah, a, I agree. They do need to, to put this in a questions. yeah. To put this in a good analogy that that a lot of other sci-fi fans, especially those who are a fan of the next generation, will understand. What what Carrie Oat is basically saying is, take the best of both worlds cliffhanger, and then like just end it with Picard being captured. Okay, and you don't see what happens to him. You don't see the you don't see that he's assimilated. It just he gets captured, and then that's where the season ends. Okay, how much? Imagine how much less attractive that show would have been that ending would have gone down whereas instead you see oh man he's he's actually been assimilated he's now in the collective and it ends with Riker saying fire so i i think yeah i agree carry on what we need is that that satisfying like conclusion slash build up that also ends with you know that that can end on a cliffhanger but we're not going to to be left with a bunch more questions like other certain shows that have just oh yeah we'll just have a bunch of cliffhangers at the end and then leave you at that and then come back next year it's like no no you got to satisfy the audience absolutely but you're right not every question has to be answered and i did take a peek at the imdb page um this show is slated for two seasons so no we're not going to get a resolution this this season completely but you're right. It is going to hinge on the audience being satisfied with whatever endings we do get for this season. Exactly. And, and again, like it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be, you know, full answers to some of these questions, just enough that we can move the theories down the field. Mm, right. Like if you, if you were yeah. to kind of think about it like a football game, right. They have to at least give us a couple of first downs through the first season enough to yeah. make us want to hang in for for beyond halftime yeah i like that 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 makes a lot of sense like they have to answer some of the theories so that we know if we're on the right track or not if like we keep having to make up new theories every episode it gets a little bit daunting and then stops being fun Right, you don't want it to turn into the Walking Dead formula where you have like five minutes of plot in the opening and then a bunch of drawn out emotional drama in the center to fill your hour 
and then conclude it with a, oh my gosh, super scary cliffhanger moment. The end, see you next week. And again, that's okay for a little bit, but yeah. that can't become your formula. And so, yeah, I, I do have my fears about this show slipping into a formu formulaic pattern. Like, And Game of Thrones is the same way. It was, it was, you know, here's this character. This is why they're cool. And this is why you love them. Oh, they're dead. And then we're going to show a pair of boobies. And then and then we're just going to rinse and repeat that same thing over and over. And it's like, no. <laughs> and for me, like season three of Game of Thrones fell apart because you had such that you had that shocking event that took place. And then your resolution episode was very, ugh. So, yeah, I, I hope that, that I, I don't know. I, I, yes, I could see where this show is going to have a potentially amazing ending for the first season while still, yeah, we don't know what's going on. We might not quite understand what the corporation does still and still be asking questions about that. But I think there's enough of the consequences and ramifications with the characters that we'll see, we'll, we'll just see how that resolves uh, over time. Because even, because it's like, we do have several questions going on. Well, yes, there's the overarching, well, what's this corporation doing with these people, of course. But we're also starting to get invested in each of these people. And I, and I mean, like, man, wow. it wasn't the break room. I forgot what they called it, um, where they sent the the guy to be read all the stuff about his Audi. But then they also, like, every time he overreacts to a fact, he, he, he was, like, docked points. And it was one of those psychological mind games of, no, that wasn't the break room. It was, it was No, it was the that. psychiatrist. Yeah, the psychiatrist. And she's like, she's doing a psychological ploy on him to like try to make him feel good. But then it's like, no, no, you're only allowed to feel this good and you have to feel equally good about everything. And it's, it's, the wellness center. it's, yeah, the wellness center. And oh man, it, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's such a, uh, it's, it's scary. I wouldn't want to be in any, I tell you that much right now. I, I definitely, <laughs> if I ever, well, the, it, the question the series is asking is if you were in any, would you even know? Right, exactly. And and they seem to imply that that's not the case. Like your any literally just exists awake, constantly working. And and it's, that's a scary reality to even contemplate. <laughs> it's almost like being underway on a ship. I, I um, think there, I think that is an interesting thought because it does seem like the innies are aware that they are innies. Um, from the part like that you described earlier in episode one at the end where she's running out the door and just keeps coming back in which is explained in the second part like she's not really coaxed back in the room she's like reminded that like her innie has no idea that she made this decision and is confused and if she wants to quit she can but she like shouldn't and she's like, yeah, no, I just made this choice. Like, I already am 100% aware that this is the choice I want to make. So, like, the Audis are, like, really aware that they're losing time. But the Innies, like, I think it's depicted with Mark, the main character, where he comes in hungover. And he's aware that his Audi was hungover. He's like, yeah, he must have got real drunk last night. Like, they, they have a concept of time, though they don't feel it or perceive it because they're, like, in a windowless room. They do seem to be aware that they only exist for eight hours, but they do also seem to blame their Audis more than their like corporate overlords for anything. It's it seems to me that the 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 characters that are already that have been there, I'm not so sure if they're as aware as they they 
want to think themselves aware. Like mm. they've gotten used to the routine. <clears throat> and so I almost wonder if they're just playing off the idea that they know when they're asleep. But really, they're just as insane as everyone else. They just don't want to admit it because they've been conditioned to cope with their work life. Um, comment in the chat, Koza Koala 3, split personality disorder type of issues. Yeah, and I think Petey is going to be showing a lot of that in follow-on episodes as, as he's forced to reconcile memories that he never had for so many years that have all of a sudden been smashed back into his, his consciousness. So it's, it's going to... because. It's going to be interesting to see how it develops because you're right. The uh, Heli doesn't seem to think that there's any difference between work and, or there doesn't seem to be any breaks. Like it's constantly to her mind, she's continuing to go. Whereas Adam Scott's character and everyone else is like, oh, well, you know, you just get used to it. You feel refreshed. You notice that you're ready to go for the day. Um, and so I almost wonder if, maybe due to the psychological conditioning, they think that they're getting their off time, but they're just convincing themselves that, oh yeah, I'm totally, this is normal, when really it's most definitely not. Yeah. Um, on any additional thoughts? No, I, th I think we've, we've covered it fairly well. I think the only uh, other piece of it I would say is, uh, you know, Apple TV's definitely come out of the gate with some real winners in terms of programming. And, uh, you know, I think it's definitely going to be the sleeper subscription service that's uh, going to be the little subscription service that could over time. I agree. Um, I, I did. Uh, I started watching some of uh, Foundation. Uh, I did actually read that book and I do want to read the rest of them and, and I do want to watch the rest of that series. And I mean, at, at the very least, the, I mean, the production value is definitely there, but it also seems that the... Uh, it, it feels, especially for this show, that the writers came out to play. And, I mean, that's really the, the, the base of your story is in the writing. And without the writing, you know, you can have the greatest visuals of all. But if it's not stated as a visual art piece, it's just not going to work over time. So yep. the writing's definitely good. The acting is, is, is superb so far. Uh, I mean, everybody, especially Adam Scott, like he's got the personality switched down. Uh, I do believe like it's two separate people at times because of how he interacts with people on the outside world versus his work-life personality, which is totally different. And I think that's really, like I said, I, I, I want to see the rest of these actors shine uh, through the rest of the show. And... I mean, I, I like what I've seen so far. So anyone got any good theories as to what they expect? I mean, I don't want to, don't want you to have to set up too much false expectations, but I'm curious to see what, what everyone thinks is going on so far. John, we'll start with you. Based on this discussion, I just came up with a whole idea in theory. The idea, if I, I don't know if you remember, right when Mark goes in the elevator, Adam Scott's character, Mark, goes in the elevator once he hits a certain point in the elevator ride a door like a bell dings and he wakes into the other body i wonder how much of this is just standard hypnosis just uh known practices of hypnosis and the whole treatment that they go through and all that thing is just more to solidify the belief in the hypnosis like we think that they were injected with something that causes this separation but in reality they were just hypnotized 
and that's probably where PD is losing his mind, is he probably did some form of drastic medical procedure to like fix his lost memories from the hypnosis. And so that could explain like why they're losing memories. Like, because if they like mostly the thing with the break room, how do they not remember their experience in the break room? But they also definitely have fear of the break room. So it seems like something's deleted between the time they enter and the time they get out. But how could yeah, they the delete that on a daily base? But how could they do that at any given time unless it's something standard like hypnosis? Just as thought. Yeah, so so it seems to me like you're saying it's a combination of of uh, hypnosis and the chip as well. Well, I'm saying it's hypnosis and just constant reinforcement that there was a medical procedure, but never actually describing said procedure and never explaining it. Just saying the government or like this happened to you and because you can't remember and because like they've obviously not like made you feel like heli hasn't been to the break room yet for example right. heli hasn't been directly accosted like everybody else has to some extent and, or another yeah and she so seems the, like she's kind of supposed to be the woman on the inside for uh, like we're following adam scott outside but we seem to be introduced to the concept of what his first experience was like through her sort of. And so it's like, we're kind of following it. It's kind of brilliant actually. So you follow one, you think you're following one main character, but you're also following the other in, in how she's being introduced into this world and environment. Right, because she's you, right. You, the audience, well, she's like, you as far on the, as the inside. Her introduction. Yeah. That's actually really cool. I, I didn't think about it like that until you just said that. <laughs> yep. Okay, so my predictions, I've got a few. All right. Uh, one, at some point, an any uh, person's any and outie are going to switch. So the mm. any is going to be outside, and the outie is going to be in the office. Okay, that that's one. Because it's I would just like to, too easy, uh, too easy to like, not do. I'd like to make my get make my guess on which one it's going to be real quick. If I had to guess right now, I think it's going to be Irving if anybody's going to have that happen. Quite possibly. Mm. Uh, two, I think the nature of the work is going to be the reason why the severance is needed. That there's something about the work that they're doing that's specific to it. Um, and my third one is the reason why this work is happening is it's so important to the larger world that without it society or whatever would collapse or at least that's what we're going to be told that this is so necessary that the world has accepted that this is like some sort of necessary evil that's interesting because especially when they when you listen to mark's uh recording when he's saying i'm so sorry i let down the whole world that I think that's going to play a major role in it as well. I, I, my thinking, though, is is especially based off of those theories, is is it corporate? Is it this corporation that's supposedly saving the world? Is it like a messed up version of Kingsman organization? Like, to what extent? Because it seems like the severance people are mostly just the data hiders. Like, they don't even know how they're hiding the data because it's just a feeling that tells them what to delete. 
I think that plays a major role into who they're working for. I don't know. That's really cool, though. Yeah. But yeah. Those are my theories. So. No, those are that's some uh, that's some good discussion. Like I said, this is why it was one of the reasons why I get into sci-fi. I mean, it's it's exploring the the possibilities. And I mean, you know, people think sci-fi, they think Star Wars, Star Trek, which yeah, I mean, those technically count, but. This is also the branch of sci-fi that I feel gets overlooked oftentimes because it's so it's so grounded in reality, but the concept is very much kind of I would honestly say that the concept leans more fantasy because oh, we I still think don't it's definitely science because this is way medical. Like they're really trying to harp on the medical procedure, whether there is one or not. I think that shows that it's the medical science fiction oh they've absolutely done research into neuroscience and to and i mean they they definitely did their homework when setting up the premise of this show that, well, that i'm just shows. giving credence to your title of calling this science fiction because it's, yeah. this is medical science fiction well yeah it is but it still kind of leans more in the fantasy because the, the the idea of being able to manipulate memories to that extreme is still a very unknown concept and you hit on you hit on a very good point with the hypnosis um but hypnotherapy is not um is not secure if you can understand what i'm saying and what i mean by that is there's plenty of cases where people get hypnotized and it can either just wear off over time or in the process of, of people who do try to do hypnotherapy to do memory blocking it, it's not it's not a guarantee and even if it is it's usually like a band-aid this shows a rebuttal to to those thoughts the person who's worked there the longest is irving and he's only been there three years and he's like we see the scene where his mind is melting like it seems like this job affects the ennies and the audis like a presidency and i think that that could be a major factor like we don't know how long pd worked there right right and And, and so Mark got promoted over Irving, and even though Irving's the most senior, so like, what does that also tell us? Is that maybe like the smart ones last a year before they PD, and then the other, like the other gentleman, I can't remember his name. Let me pull up the IMDb. Which one? The the other employee? The black Dylan? gentleman. Played uh, by yeah, Zach Dylan, Jerry. Zach Jerry. He um he definitely seems more like what Irving would have started out as just somebody who figured out how the system works and works within it. And Hallie is definitely more Mark in his beginning time. So I wonder if we're going to watch as Hallie and Mark keep losing their minds. Whereas like Irving and Dylan just kind of keep trying to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Dylan definitely seems I've definitely worked with a lot of Dylans in my life who are just like, oh, yeah, you know, we get, you know, these little perks and stuff. And this is what's great about working here. And I'm like, this is a piece of crap. This (laughs) This is not an incentive. And so it's interesting to see the different personalities that come out of the innies because you you still have those. they, They still play on the on the various workplace tropes. Uh, to use that in in the storytelling, whereas Heli is like, you all are crazy to think this is okay. Until she started figuring out how to solve data, and then all of a sudden, the job starts to make a little bit more sense. So I'm I'm curious to see if I, I really am interested to see how her character develops, because I could see her going one of two ways. 
Um, or, and I mean, there's different ways, obviously, but the one of two ways that I can see it is the one you have for her slowly start to embrace the work life. And she actually likes it. Like one of the, like the ending to 1984 when, when she loves big brother. Now I could see her going that way. I could also see, and that would be even more interesting because then she would become an adversary to Mark who now may or may not be trying to break out of the system like Petey did, because his any is probably going to be, because uh, if you notice his any is questioning things as well. He took mm-hmm. pictures down when he wasn't supposed to, but he hid one in a separate spot from all the others. Why did he do that? What's his motive? But what's going on with Mark's any that, that may end up catching up with his Audi, so to speak. And then of course we haven't seen the concept of whether or not these people can actually dream. And mm. what the ramifications of having dreams might look like. Do they dream about work? Do they dream about their their any? Does their any have any influence in the subconscious to be able to get a hold of them? How did Petey break out? Like, there's so much going on with this show. But it's all extremely compelling. So, I think for my theories... I think we, uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll either see, we'll either see Helly either embrace the work life or she'll continue to start, she'll start seeing what it is and resist it along with Mark. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. And it's been a while since I felt the show do that, where it just really gets you to think about theories, but then your theories just kind of derail because you're like, you know what? This is a, this is awesome. I'm also just going to enjoy the ride in the process. So, so you know, my kind of advice to the audience and I guess to everyone here would just be, yeah, let's keep having our theories, but don't do what I did with Rogue One and cling to them as law. That's <laughs> it. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment. But I, I do I do feel good about this show. It's kind of more of an irrational fear about, about it not working out. So I think it's going to be good. And like I said, the concept of itself makes this worthwhile to watch. I'm going to watch every episode of probably both seasons and, and see where it goes. Um, so yeah, with that, I think we'll go ahead and start to transition to our next topic. John, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you thought of Redemption by Will Jordan? Redemption by Will Jordan. Um, I find it to be a fascinating novel. Uh, I haven't finished it quite yet. I'm definitely getting into it. Uh, I, I well, this do is a non-spoiler en- review, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I do enjoy the military. Uh, military stories the way they're written the way especially the way will jordan chose to write this one i felt that it was a very he didn't do a disservice to the military i feel like there was definitely a uh a misunderstanding of military's respect for certain things um mostly just the way that he kept saying central intelligence agency that uh it's a misnomer nobody in any job likes to say the full name of their job at any point, especially not in their head. I can give you some explanation in a second. But other than that, like, I feel like this book is, it's, it's a very, very fun read. It is up there with the Lee Child style of writing. Um, one character who has a story and obviously is more aware than we are to the current events. And I find that to be just awesome. So it's a very good book. Definitely yeah. recommend yeah, so so while it is a bit because you know you and I uh, have military service under our belt, while it is a bit uh, silly to say it all the time, uh, what you got to understand, especially coming from a published author myself, is 
you got to assume that your audience doesn't know some things, especially if you're writing from a military perspective. And so you kind of have to take that extra step to explain stuff. And that's not necessarily just with the book itself, but even in general, when I'm trying to, you know, share sea stories and whatnot with people, I realize like, okay, I need to one, slow down, two, drop all acronyms when you're having these conversations. And three, you, you just gotta, you, you know, sometimes you might see it as dumbing down because you're like, you, you already know what, you already know what's going on. You already know what you're trying to say, but you got to realize your audience does not. Most people, this comes as a shock, I know, don't know what the military does or is like. So while it does get annoying, I agree for, for some people that either, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the military, but anyone who's done that, that corporate life where acronyms are like your second language. Yeah. We, we find it ridiculous that people would say the name of the agency all the time. However, you gotta, you gotta think of this, like you're trying to reach an audience of millions of people with millions of different understandings of how things work. And you gotta, you want to keep consistency there. So yes, I understand it's annoying and I, I agree. It's a little silly. However, you just got to think of it in terms of it's easier to tell a simple story. And if you're going to tell a complicated story, you got to make the story that you're telling. You got to make the, the events simple and easy to understand. Otherwise, if your message gets lost, then it's not going to come across. So, uh, Karan, did you ever get around to reading this book yet, by chance? So, I actually have. I'm actually uh, on book eight of the series. Oh, awesome. So, we can do so, some follow-up in the future. Yeah, um... The series remind. Okay, so I come for a little bit of uh, background info. Um, my mom was a Navy nurse. My father was uh, a uh, in armored reconnaissance. Um, my sister, who is an engineer, uh, worked for General Dynamics for a long period of time. And I guess the what I can get away with saying right now is I served in my own way. Um, <laughs> Which should tell you everything about what organizations I've been working with. Um, the There's a lot that happens in the first book that really does remind me of family members' experiences. It does remind me a lot of the... You can tell that this is somebody, like the writer, Will Jordan, if he didn't serve, then he definitely had close personal ties with people who have because the after effects of service clearly come through yeah and it's very authentic writing um which is what dragged me along for the ride um i like where he's gone with it in the first book and it definitely leaves it open to where he goes throughout the series yeah i i definitely want to make time to get the rest of this series uh read and and i think we'll probably maybe make that a monthly goal for for the channel because i mean we do want to promote books here as well and i know books are boring but they're a necessary they're a i agree they are a forgotten part of our pop culture that while i admittedly hated reading as a child well and you know what i'm, I'm probably just get a little philosophical tangents please bear with me um the reason that I didn't like reading as a child was because I was 
uh, told at a young age that comic books are for stupid people and that there is no value in reading comic books. And so being a young child, as you might know this yourselves, probably having been one, I assume, uh, <laughs> you probably know that developing as a child, you basically, you get impressed on very easily. You see something, it's on your brain very early on. Well, it's not just seeing stuff. It's when people try to influence children that 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 is very critical. That's why our education needs to be structured in a way that we we figure out what kids are good at and what they like, and then we try to to build around that to 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 either help foster their creative mindset or if they're you know feel like they're going to be more in the work mindset to to find. Basically, we want to try and foster a good learning environment for our children. Well, that starts with reading. And the elitist idea that you have to read a non-picture book to matter, I, looking back in my childhood, I'm like, well, screw you. <laughs> because comic books, as we've seen, the way they've hit the cinema in the last 10 years, are actually a good source of story and can be a very vital a piece of our pop culture and for me especially like I am a visual learner I I very much that's probably why I'm really into movies and shows is because I do visuals a lot um, I know it's weird for me to say being a published author saying that I hated reading and that I struggle with reading and I do but that's that's part of it's how I was brought up and also my own laziness as well. I'm not saying that, oh, I blame this one person that I can't remember from my childhood is the reason that I can't read. No, not like that. It's because it, it, yeah, I do believe in a certain sense personal responsibility. So I am trying to get more into reading more and audiobooks are a big help for me because what I can do with an audiobook is I can put it on in my ears and then I can just distract the rest of my brain with either a video game or just something else um, to help me, help me pay attention. And of course, if I'm starting to lose focus on the audiobook, I then try to, okay, I'm going to set it down and focus on the audiobook for a minute or, or maybe pull up the digital copy and read along, which I think is, is helpful as well for a lot of people in my position. So my point being is that we can't, it's not appropriate to say what is and is not appropriate reading material for children. Um, I mean, with a sense of certain content. I mean, obviously, we don't need to be throwing in Playboy magazines at six years old. That's not where I'm going with this at all. What I am saying is, if a child wants to read comic books, then let them read comic books. And maybe somebody, maybe one of these big comic book publishers can start taking some of these big novels out there. And I've, I've seen some people do it where they'll have like, I would love to have Galaxia get a graphic novel adaptation. I think that would be awesome and a great way, an extra medium to get my story out there. And I think Will Jordan's book could absolutely be a smash success as a graphic novel. And I think maybe that's what we can try to do to sort of bridge the gap between books without pictures and movies. Because that's, and that's what comics were, was that inspiration of, of especially before these big blockbuster films, that was that comic book was your blockbuster movie. I mean, I've heard lots of people who got into it, and I'm I'm probably gonna try and get into comics now, even though you know I'm post post twenties, you know, entering my thirties, uh, so a little behind on that on that train. But I think that comic books have absolutely been given a very unfair shake in our pop culture throughout the years because people have this 
this illusion of what a good story is and oh it has pictures somehow it's less important and well, it's like go ahead yeah i mean my my thought is um whether a a story needs a visual aid or not completely depends on the complexity of the visual you're trying to evoke in somebody's head right yeah so like for example uh, i love to read i also have a lot of graphic novels I also have a huge movie collection, but the stories that I read are very different than the stories I would want a graphic novel of. And they're very different again from the ones I'd want a, a movie of. Um, for example, I love Denis Villeneuve's Dune. I, the, the books reading them was a slog because I had trouble understanding the visuals that he was putting forward. Right. So the movies really helped there. Uh, conversely, um, Jim Butcher, who is an author I highly recommend you take a look at, he writes a series called The Dresden Files. He, um, it's basically an urban fantasy novel where he takes the genre of a wizard and the genre of a film noir detective and puts them together. So the guy's literally a film noir detective in Chicago, or sorry, a wizard in Chicago in like a, a film noir kind of Chicago land idea like where you know the mobsters could be human mobsters or they could be a group of fairies horning in on the mobsters racket you're not really sure right at the start of the story um you know the femme fatale could be a vampire like you don't know yet right um so really neat idea but he does all three his books are written there has been a tv series and he does do graphic novels but he tells very different stories in each one of those because he's playing with those genres so I feel like they're all three genres are vitally important, but they should be used to tell different styles of story. Right, right. And I'm, my point with maybe bringing more graphic novels adaptations is really just to help get the stories out there. But I definitely see your point, and that is a that is a valid point that that there is some there is some mystique with a text novel. Um, because everybody then gets to have their own idea of what it inspires within within what you see. And then you're not necessarily... So that is kind of one of the downsides to graphic novelizations or even uh, movies and shows is that then, while you do get to experience the story, which I think is vital, um, you're kind of left with somebody else's vision of what it should be like. And so that's, that is, that is one of the nice kind of nuances of having text. Like, I don't believe novels should just go away by any means. <laughs> so like, that's always, no, absolutely. No. People need to keep writing books, keep, keep enriching our culture as, as a species, because that's, I, I mean, I, I hope that uh, certain production companies like seem like, seems like, like Apple TV in, in particular continues to pull these other no unknown stories and i mean yeah i've got my own personal bias on that stake like i'd love a tv deal myself however it's not just about me it's about everybody else i mean i've gotten to not really know will jordan on a personal level but we've interacted a couple times and i mean the man straight up called me a legend which was yeah i didn't expect that so but that's somebody that i think his work absolutely deserves uh like uh Redemption, I think, would make a perfect... The entire Ryan Drake series, I think, would make an excellent TV thriller. Um, would probably feel a little... Hmm? 
And an affordable one. I mean, when you got things like Jack Ryan, and if you follow the Rainbow Six series, it very quickly goes from tales in Iraq to tales in Hezbollah to tales in all of these other nations in a row in one story. But yeah. what Jordan's story sticks to one spot, one area dealing with a very like a wealth of information and a wealth of detail. But as far as like films go, if you want to take a chance on an author who already is alive who can tell you what he intended explicitly i feel like that it, it especially one who crit, like critiques film so much like give him the chance yeah. to you know maybe not direct but co-direct his own show based on his own characters that he's already invested in and let's see him put that on paper i think that would be the coolest challenge and you're right i think people like apple have the they definitely have the spare change like well, let's it, be it honest, they say, have all of the capital. Yeah, it doesn't say have to be Apple, but I think I think we're about to hit. I, I do believe, and I mean, you can see on my on my main channel, Papa Delta Yankee, some of some of my thoughts regarding uh, certain films. I, I do think we're about to hit uh, a shift in pop culture where people are going to start kind of wanting to move away from the nostalgia era of things because it, we keep going back to stuff that's already been done. I think we're already there. I think we're way past there, but our movies aren't releasing like they're supposed to. Like, I mean, let's obviously we just dealt with COVID and and dealt with his sense of a word. But more than anything, like movies got halted for an entire year. So like a bunch of movies that had been banking on the nostalgia buildup just lost all chance of releasing and now they're all releasing in a wrong order because like you know that all these studios talk to each other they try to release their stuff so it's exactly in an even competition so nobody's really losing anything and in Uh, this case it sounds like you lost that well yeah i mean uh the general rule of thumb at least from what i've dealt with for my contacts in hollywood is uh usually movies lag behind the culture by about three to four years now, COVID has pushed that back another year, so we're going to see about a five-year lag now for the next little while between where the culture is at and where the movies are at. So I think uh, I think you guys are right that it does lag a fair bit behind. Uh, it, you know, um, John is absolutely right. It's going to you know lag back even more right now because of COVID. Um, but I do think also that we are getting to the point in the the streaming wars where people are going to be looking for that coup de gras idea that quintessential series that's just going to make the other streaming services obsolete because everyone's going to need this service so if something like a a will jordan series will do that it'll absolutely get picked up yeah and i you know i hope that he does and i mean there's other up-and-coming authors and other established authors that i'm starting to to other works i'm starting to read and get to know and and even just some of the premises that i've read like the synopsis i mean you've already captured my interest just talking about the dresden files and so so that's kind of yes we want to talk about other shows great shows and whatnot but here we do also want to incorporate try to bring back that lost art so to speak i mean it's not really lost it's just people like getting the stories a lot easier and in a a method that's that's you know, you just sit down in front of your TV and watch it. I mean, that's a, that's not that hard. And that's why audiobooks, thankfully, audiobooks are very popular because at the very least, you're still you're having someone read it to you, but you can 
they usually come in two different forms. Like I like what the audible or uh, excuse me, audible audio plays do, which those are pretty high quality sound productions. But I also like the simplistic ones of people just reading. Uh, the foundation version that I listened to was very dry, but it was direct. I was able to follow it along very easy, and I was able to, to come up with my own, you know, imagination of things. And, and so it's nice that while people probably might continue to move away from actually reading traditional books, at least probably for a little while longer, we can still find ways to bring that medium back. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people have missed, especially up and coming streamers is like, well, is anyone doing books? And so that's why we want to kind of integrate that a little bit, but also acknowledge we have other, we still like shows. We still like TV. I'm, I'm a sucker for good visuals at times. And oh man, you hit the nostalgia just right. I mean, I'll enjoy it. I, I won't lie. I did like Book of Boba Fett for the time it went through. Probably never going to watch it again, but I did enjoy the nostalgia bait of it. Um, and that's also why, again, I will probably, <laughs> probably not going to go one episode without mentioning Spider-Man No Way Home, but that was an excellent, excellent use of nostalgia. Uh, because it didn't even bank on the nostalgia. It just used that to bring you in and said, hey, here's a wholesome movie about seeing the best and even the worst of people. And it's like, wow, what a great message to serve people about forgiveness and about just trying to be the better person. And and uh, I love No Way Home. <laughs> that goes without uh, saying. And, and not just even the best in other and worst in other people, but the best and worst in yourself, really, too. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, I, th I think that especially Spider-Man No Way Home, I think what it truly challenged more than anything is that like we all are so used to superheroes fighting super villains and those villains deserve to have their butt whooped. But in reality, Spider-Man No Way Home showed us that they need their mind changed just as much as they need a good butt whooping, you know? <laughs> Like, they don't necessarily need one or the other. A lot of people, especially somebody who's, like, roided out on crazy, you know, whatever stuff Green Goblin took. That That's going to mess you up, right? And so that explanation of, like, no, he's going to need to be tied up while he gets his mind corrected. But he still needs the chance to get his mind corrected. These villains don't deserve death. Right. I think and they hit that on the head because a lot of superhero shows don't, you know. Right, and there's tons of good stories that 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 you know we could potentially be be showcasing here, and that's also why I want to get more books out there. I mean, yeah, I do have a vested interest for my own product, of course. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some noble hero on an endeavor to help unknown authors. I mean, I'm trying to help other authors, but yes, I have my own motivations to get this. It's it's like people who. It's similar to people who get involved with, you know, stuff like, oh, I'm, you know, against breast cancer now, which, you know, it's like, okay, that's great. What brought you to it? Oh, well, I got breast cancer. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. It's great you're a part of it. But it's it just feels like some people try to come off as, oh, I'm I'm such a giver and self, I'm giving up so much for this. It's like, well, no, the reality is we all have our own motivations to get behind causes. And that's that's my own is I, I, I did it. I published a book. It was one of the hardest things of my life, but it was one of the most worthwhile things. I, now I, I got to get people to see it. But I also would, realized there's a bunch of other books that people don't see. And I would like to try and help them to get more, vis you know, more visibility to it. I mean, Will Jordan doesn't really need my help to get that. He's clearly made it established himself. However, 
I still like his work. I still respect the man enough to want to showcase it even on my show. And uh, Caron, since you've read more of them, I'm looking forward to doing that. And we might just, just continue that as a monthly tradition where we, where we talk about Will Jordan's series. I mean, yeah, it's, obviously you made it to book eight of nine, so <laughs> it must be doing something right. I hope. Yeah. It's solid. It, it, um, it had this weird kind of, uh, there was a, a TV series. Ooh, I want to say the early aughts, uh, called the unit. Oh, that's a good one. Right. Yes. Yes. And it, the, what got me into Will Jordan's writing is it had a very, the unit feel to it in a lot of ways. I mean, very different stories, but it had that, that kind of feel to it right where these guys you know have to have a life but also you know have a very critical job and the lingo was right and everything was just kind of there and that's what kind of stuck me to it and i was like okay yeah i'll I'll breeze through them now i'll admit i read fast i can get through a book in you know two three days right like a decent sized novel, like a 300 page novel in like, you know, two, three days. Um, that's, and, uh, that's always you know. been my shortcoming too, by the way. It's like, Oh, I'm a slow reader. I can't do it. So. I, well, you know, but I, it, it's one of those, it comes with practice, right? I mean, uh, I, I hate to be that guy, but look, when you're a witch, you've got a lot of reading to do. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you, you're, you're, pouring over tomes of ancient lore going, wait a minute, how do I translate that from this language? Okay, well, now I got to teach myself this language to be able to read this other uh, passage. So, you know, you pick it up, you pick up things pretty quick, but um, you know, and I I also just want to reiterate what you were saying about audiobooks. I mean, that's where audiobooks are awesome. Um, By the way, the Dresden Files, the audiobooks, read by James Marsters. Um, The author? So, uh, Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, um, very nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, who has an amazing Chicagoan accent when he puts it on. So, oh, yeah. so it gives you even more immersion then. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, no, totally that, worth that, it. That premise, I mean, I've, I'm not like, I, I'd say I'm more of a fanboy when it comes to Noir type stuff, but I definitely like, I've always loved that atmosphere though. Like yeah. the, the the speakeasy style, the the jazz music that always you know that they're rather blues style. I mean, like Blade Runner is one of my favorite films, uh, yeah. it, and that one. I mean, I know probably gonna probably gonna send our view count to negative thou- uh, one thousand for saying this, but I like the theatrical cut. I know I said okay. it, okay, um, because I feel like the the ad- addition of the voiceover really just drove the atmosphere further um was it necessary probably not i understand ridley scott being upset about his art being trampled on like that at the same time you know that's and this is one of the reasons why even if i'm you know poor for life fine i'm never gonna sell out at this point because i'm watching i'm watching the history of artists who do sell their works and i'm i'm going like it's just not worth it like if you agreed to those conditions when you made that movie and so yeah it sucks someone comes in to change your project that you feel is your baby but if you agreed to those circumstances then you just kind of have to 
deal with it. And I'm not necessarily justifying the producer's actions and say that what they did was okay. Clearly, it seems, seems that somebody else had a different vision for that product and they thought it would work. And some would argue that, oh, well, if it didn't have that narration, it wouldn't have bombed. And I think I'm of the belief that regardless of what version you watch, the story is never clear enough to get across on one viewing and requires and, and even ridley scott had to come out and explain his own work and to me that's kind of where you fail as a writer to get your point across it is if you have to do more explanations on stuff and that's not to be conflated with discussions or theories or, or other questions that you might have raised it's just it comes down to the core plot of your, of your story and if that's not clear then you kind of need to work on your message better for the next time and I guess Ridley Scott's gotten better with time. I don't know. I I enjoyed Prometheus when I watched it, but I definitely look back at that going, eh, I think I really just enjoyed the music and the moment for that movie. The plot was a little, at least it wasn't super complicated to give him credit on that one. So I, I think while Blade Runner is very controversial in that regards, I think it just, it, it comes back to, you know, when somebody, when you're trying to get a project off the ground and you have to make compromises, you're just, you got to accept that, this is the one you got to make compromises on. So that's one of the reasons why I'm proud to be independent is because I don't have to compromise anything. My <laughs> my work is my work and you either agree to it or we we don't we don't make it happen. And yeah, I I would love for a television deal. And and but I also hope that Will Jordan doesn't have to compromise too much if his story gets picked up because honestly, you could literally just take that and throw it on screen and it's going to be a success. I mean, it doesn't even need any changes for any creative anything. It's almost like he wrote it in anticipation of getting it put on television. That's how easy it would be to just literally trans transcribe it to a script. And I think it would be I think it'd be a very successful show um, on any platform that, that puts it out there because, I mean, it's it's a good story. No, I, I think it would be solid. And, and as for Blade Runner, I think all three of the major cuts have their have their pluses and minuses. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to... Like, I personally um, enjoy Final Cut a little bit more. But I think I like Final Cut because I had seen the other two cuts first. Mm, interesting. And I think if I hadn't seen the first two cuts, I wouldn't enjoy final cut as much. So that's, right? so you, you make a very fascinating point in that, uh, having been previously influenced by seeing those others, it's almost like you would have had to have seen those others in order to really enjoy the final cut. So yeah, I, I agree with that stance completely. I think it's like, it, it's not about picking which cut is the correct cut. I think it's really which one you enjoy. And I've probably, probably should give final cut another view uh again because i don't yeah. and, and I mean, when i watched it <laughs> yeah and i mean really when we're when we're talking versions of blade runner we're like okay which of these three nearly perfect stakes do you like best right yeah i mean there, there's no wrong answer there's just well, personal preference right visually and musically like let's just say for discussion's sake the plot was utter trash um I think Blade Runner would still survive simply on those objective metrics. Uh, Vangelis, like, I'm a believer that if you have a good soundtrack, that's half your movie. And even not even just necessarily musically, but your, if your sound mixing is bad, 
that will kill your film faster than bad writing. Um, so like the sound, sound writing and visuals, I think are all equal in their necessity. And so we have great sound and we have great visuals and those are consistent regardless of what version you watch. So regardless, Blade Runner will always be a legacy piece because that model work still holds up to this day. And it, I mean, it, it's, it really just puts CGI to shame. The, the more advanced you could see how even in 4k watching something like like blade runner or independence day you can still see just how much better the art holds up over the years even with the compositing um even though in some places like in star wars you can see through a tie fighter wing on a couple of frames it's i still will take that over cgi any day and i don't mean like to disparage cgi i think cgi works best as a complementary effect not necessarily the primary effect and that's why lord of the rings over the years is going to suffer because while the models are still going to look fantastic eh, the orcs not so much so which that is what it is you know um but it'll still but that's not the case with blade runner blade runner is just going to look great regardless of what version you watch oh yeah um, john any additional thoughts on uh, redemption john are you still with us Sorry about that. I uh, muted myself. <laughs> no, I think that definitely satisfies my opinion. I, I agree with you in what you're saying about promoting writing. I hated reading back in the day for similar reasons, except I was just told that fiction overall is just useless until I started becoming a writer and realized that, well, if you can write good fiction, then fiction is the most influential in your day to day. So it's really about what you want to do that's what writing is that's what type of writing is going to most benefit you and so for me i love writing and i look forward to doing more discussions on writing in general like even as we discuss these shows and games and stuff one of my most critical points to look at is how things are written because like though i may not be the most learned in writing styles i'm definitely learned in what i enjoy witnessing or what i enjoy uh taking in and so like i said like with will jordan i think he's definitely writing a story worth reading and i definitely intend on finishing this book but at the same time like it's all about what place of mind you want to be in and what like what media is going to fill that void in that moment and don't be ashamed if it's a comic book or if it's a big book or if it's a tv show or a movie but you can still learn from all of the writers anybody who puts together anything wrote something they had to write a scene they had to write a script they had to write things that you don't even know they wrote down sometimes like hey do this misnomer you have to trip on accident and make it look like an accident and you don't know that they wrote that but this actor just falls down all of a sudden and you're like what so I think that's it's important to accept that writing comes to us in every way that it can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was also going to say, and like when it comes to nonfiction versus fiction, look, nonfiction runs societies, but fiction builds them. Right? Mm, paints the better future. All right. I mean, like, yes, you need nonfiction work to you know, keep a society going and to inform and to, to educate. But without those stories, without those like morality tales, the foundation of a culture won't exist. Right. 
take a look at every culture that's ever existed. All of them have those stories, whether you want to call it Greek mythology or Egyptian mythology or like biblical tales. All of that stuff serves as the foundation for a culture. Without that stuff there, without that, those stories, without that which makes us alive, you don't get to have questions about whether it's uh, whether somebody should be charging so many, you know, uh, coins for a cart because nobody will agree on anything. Nobody has a, a shared reality to uh, like a shared culture to work from. So both of them are vital. Yeah. Very well yeah. spoken. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a good point. And uh, I'll just finish this segment with, you know, this is why we're putting books into our, into our general interest entertainment is because they are a core of our storytelling. And I think that it's, it's, you know, if you don't want to read books, that's fine. I don't think there's any reason to, to force the issue. And I think a lot of that elitist attitude of, well, I'm better than you because I read books, books has really been a detriment to our culture because it creates lines in the sand that are totally unnecessary. Um, I think it's better to take the approach of, of being that more empathetic understanding. Yeah, I get it. Books can be boring at first. And I mean, you know, I'll even put myself on <laughs> this thing is huge. Okay. I, I get it. I don't expect people to read it. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots, lots of, of black and white text there that, you know, I, I'm not, that's one of the reasons why I'm not offended when someone says, oh, I haven't read your book yet. I just have to make the time. It's like, I get it. Okay. It's 500 pages, 557 pages. Like I, yeah, I'm a little hurt, but I've also got to keep perspective. Like, well, what books am I reading? All oh, right. Not a whole lot. So, you know, the, the karma has got to, it's going to work its way through, so to speak. And so, but we do also want to get away from othering ourselves in that respect some people want to watch only i've met people that will not even touch a movie or a show if it has a specific studio attached to it which or even a special a specific actor like one of the biggest things i've i've been coming to blows at people in discussions with is john cena and peacemaker like i i get it okay you don't like the guy that's your choice I'm not going to say you're anything less for having an opinion. That's just silly. I just know that you're missing out because of your preconceived prejudice in that sense. I understand where it comes from, but as, you know, one of our mutual friends, Dictor Van Dubcock would say, well, he doesn't say it. I paraphrase it this way. Separate the douche from the craft. Okay. You don't like John Cena as a person. That's fine. We're not asking you to go have a beer with him to go, you know, raise his children and to go be his buddy. That's not what we're saying at all. And I, I, you know, don't want to make this about Peacemaker, so to speak, but I just want to say real quick, I felt that show was also kind of giving him a chance to just kind of put himself on display. And I really felt that that was a moment when, when I got to change my stance on him. Do I think he's a douchebag? 85% douche. Otherwise I'd have a beer with the guy, but anyway, long, long winded point to, to, bring about the that you shouldn't you shouldn't deprive yourself of the opportunity to enjoy something because of brand loyalty and 
I've especially, I mean, I'll, we're about to, you know, we'll transition soon to the gaming segment, but I especially have been enjoying a lot more games because I stopped uh, othering myself in a lot of genres. Like, I've actually been trying, just, and, and this is the other thing, like, a lot of my other friends are very understanding of the fact they don't, they're not expecting me to go full, you know, commit 100% to a new game. They're just wanting me to try it because they're excited about it. And that's what I'm trying to do here with this show is I'm not trying to say that, oh, you have to do X, Y, and Z to, to, to fit in here. No, absolutely not. Um, all opinions within the, you know, terms of service within YouTube are permitted here. And we will at least listen and we will exchange ideas. And if at the end we don't agree, that's fine. But if this was an actual studio, we'd all be going to get drinks afterwards and hanging out. That's that's the culture that I want to try and help facilitate is let's bring respect back into discourse. And we can start it with our pop culture because I used to be that way. I used to be like, oh, if you don't like Star Wars, you're a dumbass. And oh, man, I was such an idiot. <laughs> and so that's what I want to help with this show is just to show that, look, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have our different opinions on stuff. But at the end of the day, we control us ourselves and we, we are the masters of our body and that's it. And so it's important to respect the opinions of, of others. And that's why, you know, even though even though John thinks that saying CIA is dumb or saying central intelligence is dumb. That's fine. We, we allow disagreements on this channel, believe it or not. It's, you're allowed to not agree. <laughs> this is, I don't want to say it's a safe possible. safe space for disagreement because I am a shameless ball buster, but this is not a place that's going to be, you know, you must agree with me. We'd probably lose viewers just on that premise alone. But, yeah, I, I always feel like, look, find stuff you're passionate about, get into it, and then share it with others. <clears throat> so that even if they don't like it, they get to appreciate the passion that you have for it. I think that's the way to go. I think having that that moment of being able to share something wonderful with somebody is awesome. And we should be doing that more. Yep, I Absolutely. completely agree. And that's what I'm also realizing within myself and, and appreciating. While I might not get into somebody else's passion per se, I, I can at least respect the... I, I, so what I do to, to empathize, go based, based off of what you're saying, is I try to see, I try to imagine one of my favorite shows or movies. And I try to see, okay, the feelings that I get from that, this person must be experiencing something similar with this. And if that's what's the impact they're having, maybe I can try to at least enjoy it on that basis. So, all right, next up, the 25th season of South Park is out. I totally forgot to completely catch up. I watched the first episode, but I'm not worried about any spoilers for the other two episodes. Um, if you both have watched them, please share your thoughts and I'll just, uh, I'll just anticipate what else happens in the next two episodes. Uh, Carrie, I want you lead us into this one. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, the, the first episode of, uh, season 25, I, I believe is pajama day. Yes. And, uh, you know, if that isn't Matt and Trey uh, poking fun at mandates, I don't know what is, because that's clearly <laughs> what they're up to in this this whole episode. Um, but I think they did it with a lot of 
interesting respect for both sides of the argument and kind of left it open to, yeah, look, we're going to mock all of this, but really what we're trying to do is make you think, which is what South Park does best. When South Park does it, they do it right. Um, I think that was a fantastic way to go about doing it. I think uh, they couldn't have timed that better. I think they've got the... Jeez, what have they got it down to now? It's something like they can kick an episode out within like eight or nine days or something like that. Six days to air. And that's a documentary that I absolutely recommend, even if you're not a huge South Park fan. All right. We've got our second panelist, or I guess third tech... I'm still trying we to got figure a new out panelist. roles here. I don't know. Carry on. It's probably just, you're probably going to end up being a regular on this show. We'll see. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, I'd like to introduce real quick, Mr. Bronson Fiore of Super Gamecraft. Bronson, why don't you give yourselves a, a quick 30 second introduction. Tell the world who you are and why you're here. Hey, what's up everybody. Uh, I'm Bronson Fiore of Super Gamecraft, twitch.tv slash Super Gamecraft. Uh, I was a professional game journalist and internet commentator for a decade and then that job went ended and i now just do shit on twitch all right well you're glad to have you in your perspective especially when we get to our uh, next segment but we are talking south park which i do believe you still watch um i I do just i'm not current (laughs) oh well uh then sorry if we spoil it but i mean it's south park (laughs) It's not like, yeah, it's not like, you know, Darth Vader is Cartman's father. Yeah, Um, no, I thought I was going to be like, well, I am massively late, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's all good, buddy. I'm just glad you're here because uh, I was getting a little worried because the next segment would have been a little fascinating. We'd have to have Carry On take it. And he's only, I think he's only touched the new uh, expansion just briefly, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Back to what Carry On was saying. I completely agree. I mean, Matt Matt Stone and Trey Parker have just a, a... a really brilliant way of speaking to the audience, but also like they make fun of everybody. And I think that's one of the reasons I've respected their craft is because they don't, uh, they don't hold back, but they also are not trying to make anybody necessarily feel inadequate. They're just trying to bring the truth of the information. Like uh, when people, want to know about mormonism and scientology i say you're gonna find this hard to believe but south park actually has a very good introduction into those topics and even if you just decide that that overview is satisfying that's still they do their homework they're not idiots and so yeah i thought this episode they they really i mean i shouldn't be surprised that they keep pushing it with 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 how far they think they can go but man they just did not yeah, they, they, they brought it out this first episode, and I'm I'm excited to see the rest of the season. I, I feel the show's peak was the 2015 season, personally. I thought a lot of good events happened in that one that, that was very uh, informative, but also hilarious. And and that's the other thing. South Park's not always serious about everything. They, they do some dumb episodes for the sake of dumb episodes. I mean, as you mentioned, six days to air, you're going to do whatever you you can do in that time uh so john thoughts on new south park oh i am loving it i think one of the things that the south park writers really do expertly is that they point to the biggest source of the majority of the problems is groupthink um something we finally experienced in real life but like i've been re-watching the majority of that show and i don't know if y'all are aware but cancel culture is not new 
at all. Like, they had their episode of cancel culture during the Iraq war. Like, during the initial, like, first two years of it or something. I can't remember which episode or season. I came in on, like, season five. I decided to skip ahead and start from there again. And I, I mean... I think it was season six they did cancel culture and that was like right around 2001 and so it's not that they're not afraid to test the medium it's that they're not afraid to call everybody an idiot for just following along to the message like what if everybody is leading you astray think for yourself and they constantly keep harping on that in surprisingly you know current methods like the same story over and over guys stop being sheep stop being sheep cartman's an idiot don't listen to him and you listen to him again jesus fuck you messed up i think that's something that happens way too well, often that didn't take long. in this series every time it's gonna be me pretty often <laughs> um but no it is definitely one of those seasons that like i thought it was going to take a different turn because of you know season 24 where they had only the couple COVID episodes in the integrity special but season 25 opened up just like season 8 did and i was blown away by that like return to normalcy in the at least in their episode viewing style they went from movies and you think oh this is their new medium and they're like no we're just kidding we're going back to being just as like we were on call at midi central and it's pretty awesome yeah, so for the audience, just so you know, we do try to keep this PG-13, so we have used our one F-bomb for the stream that is now done. Wait, 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 I, thought, I thought it was one F-bomb per person. No. Oh. <laughs> no, we go by movie rules here. Damn one F-bomb per street. You know what? We'll consider an exception since you're a new guest and, and my producer decided to use it. We'll, we'll maybe give you I, one, but I make sure it counts myself. and it's crafty and it's classy. If you want to. But anyway, uh, Bronson, can we do the Martian like? Oh, sorry. Can go we ahead. do the Mar the the Martian like cut away so it just you know cut away to a mute of us swearing then uh, <laughs> you know as ours? Of course we can. <laughs> go nuts! <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you censor yourself, I have no problem with that. If you want to even make your own bleeping noise, that's that's just absolutely. It's just. Not, not not all four letters set out more than once typically but we'll have to make an exception this one time I, I uh, gotta I gotta do since there's a delay on streams typically what you should do and I'm not sure if you're running a um, I'm not sure if you're running a stream deck but you can actually build a, a sensor button into a stream deck so you can bleep people if there's enough delay on your stream. That's good to know. Um, Go ahead and uh, give us your just general thoughts about South Park real quick before we transition to our last segment of the night. Oh, I, I, I think it's brilliant. I, I've, I've always liked South Park. Uh, you know, I, I that uh, post-COVID special they did, um, what, like two months ago, what was so on the nose it hurts. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You know, like I said, I haven't, right. I've, I haven't caught the new season yet, so... Okay, we'll go ahead and get this. Uh, this is actually Super Gamecraft playing some Destiny. Uh, there's also a little Final Fantasy going on in the background there, too. New duo stream tactic that is uh, pending, I guess. <laughs> you uh, you could have just, like, uh, we, we did uh, the duo stream yesterday, but on 
launch day, we just did Destiny. I'm surprised you didn't pull that footage. Oh, I just, from what you were describing about last night's run, it, it sounded like it was worth at least putting some of that up to, to bring back those happy memories. Um, yeah, it's two hours in the same room. Super good. So, Bronson, why don't you give us a quick overview of what Destiny is real quick and then dive into the new expansion and why you're excited. Uh, Destiny 2 is a, uh, I, I call it like a pseudo MMO. Some people call it a looter shooter. Uh, where, you know, it it functions a lot like a Halo or, you know, maybe even a Borderlands, but then you have a character and classes and the persistent world and group play of an MMORPG. Um, it, it's, it's been going since, the, the first one came out in 2014. The sequel, this one, uh, Destiny 2, has been out since 2017. And it's been running yearly or close to yearly expansions ever since. Uh, and for the most part, ever since the one that came out in like 2018, uh, the game has been uh, phenomenal. I, I think uh, the, the only bad part about this game, in my opinion, over the course of the past, you know, four years or whatever it's been, has been the fact that it has progressively been harder for new players to jump in. Um, just because there's so much content and so much to it, and they keep adding more. Uh, like, we, we just had a bunch of new people in the Discord hop in and start playing it for the first time, or come back to it after a long break, and, like, they're so unbelievably lost, and I'm just, like, frantically running around being like, okay, like, it's like hurting toddlers. It's like, okay, no, don't, don't do that. No, you don't go over there. Don't spend your money on that. Like, you know, it's, 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 but it's been a fun time, like, seeing... Like last night when we were doing that raid, which you're seeing my gameplay of it right here, or not even a raid, just a regular dungeon. Uh, the this is a campaign dungeon, and the 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 new campaign on the highest difficulty, legendary. Every single dungeon feels like a freaking mini raid, and it's so good. But it's also so frustrating because you can spend you know two hours of your three hour stream on one boss. So, so is that kind of what's going on here? We're, we're spinning uh, that that stream on this single boss. Most of it. Uh, so we spent most of it on this, and then we ended up with too many people to do the campaign because mm -hmm. the campaign is three players at a time, and we had four. Uh, so what we ended up doing is uh, going and hopping into uh, Gambit, which that's actually a very unique mode for Destiny. It's this. It's called PvP PvE. So you you have a PvE objective and you're fighting against the AI, and then every now and then you could invade the other team's board and kill them to screw up their progress. Alrighty then. It's super cool. I think it's one of the, it's it's one of the most underplayed and, in my opinion, uh, under like under talked about and discussed parts of destiny i actually don't think gambit gets nearly enough love for how cool it actually is so cool curiote you said you played a little bit what are your thoughts yeah so um i definitely get the the feeling as a, a new player um so i played the original destiny for like the week it came out um so i had some idea of what was going on but uh i got back into it you know just uh within the last week I, I talked to some of my friends that played and said okay take me to school what do I need to know and uh, I went through and uh, 
oh man, I love the new uh, glaive that that came out with this expansion. This is it's it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's exactly what the what it needed. Um, and there, there's something just so wonderful about racing at somebody with uh, with the glaive and, and finishing them off in a nice close and up close and personal kind of way. Um, so to me, that was great. But yeah, the learning curve to get in now is pretty steep. I think uh, if you have like two or three friends that'll, yeah, for lack of a better term, babysit you and, and take you through the first little bit until you learn where all the spreadsheets to fight the other spreadsheets come from uh then i think you'd probably be in good shape um but if you don't have like a little bit of a community around you now it'd be very difficult to to enter and yes get good as one of the like people who's been like integrating new people into destiny i find that a good chunk of my time is like sitting down with them and just explaining shit like my roommate uh, just started playing it yesterday, and uh, she's she's super into it. She loves it. She says it's it has the you know she's a big Apex player, and she's like it has the gunplay of Apex, but the like loot and mechanics of a Diablo. And I'm like and I'm like yeah no it's it's awesome. And then like today she's like hey how do you get off that first planet? And I'm just sitting there like um you hold the back button and click on where you want to go. <laughs> like it's it's you know like like just get like the menus and the the fact that like for just one character okay you have your gear set then you need to level all your masterwork gear you need to get the exotics you want for whatever build you're doing you need to know what build you're doing you need to get proper mods for whatever your you know whatever activity you're into pve pvp raids etc um and then like realistically the to have the best possible time in this game you need at least one other person with you and preferably two because like it is it very much feels like this new campaign on the legendary difficulty is designed for this three people like we we were doing that boss that you're seeing footage of now where you you start the boss fight you kill his his friend and then burn him down to his second and third phase and the second and third phase you need someone to kite the boss around you know distract him while the two other guys run to each area blow up the ads in the room and then blow up that crystal that what's an ad uh that is an enemy like just a random enemy that's not the boss uh sometimes they're like mini bosses like this one that we're shooting now on screen sorry for r.i.p audio listeners um sounds fine to me yeah, so it's uh, it's one of those things where it, oh. if you're if you're going in expecting just like a Borderlands or a normal shooter, there's a lot more to it. But there's also like it's a commitment. It's a definite commitment. What's here is really good. This is this is the most interesting expansion in a long time. Uh, you know, we were all like geeking out about the intro to the campaign and you know the new guns, the new mechanics. But it's also and the glaive like you said but you know we're also very much like having to kind of babysit ray and um and now stephanie and be like all right hey this is how this game actually works oh hey look i turned into cap america here but screwed up and missed my throw <laughs> <laughs> so you, you guys are playing it on the hardest difficulty would you say that this game is at all i mean you, you said there's a lot of mechanics to learn but does it at all come off as casual friendly it can. Uh, I think the campaign on normal is uh, casual friendly. It's just it. 
uh, the rewards for doing it on Legendary are so good that our entire group was like, forget that, let's, you know, and then like even midway through, I was just like, dude, I don't know, we might have to switch over to normal, and Ray's like, okay, but like, do you really want the game to win? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right, screw that, let's go. <laughs> You know, like that that was the that was the mindset of the whole group. And this boss, we actually figured out a way to kite it super easy. Kiting is where you just lead the boss around. Um it if you go on top of the statue that's in the middle of the room, uh it whoever is kiting it will not have trouble kiting at all. Like they just have to dodge his throw his like big fire throw thing. Um yeah, like it, it's it's casual friendly in the sense that like the the base campaign is really easy to pick up and learn, and it's a very standard Halo esque shooting experience. Uh, and the guns feel really good. Like this is one of the best feeling shooters from movement and like the pew pews. Um, you know, you have really cool powers. Like once again, see, I'm purple Captain America, basically. Like that's that's awesome. It's super it's super good time. They just updated the talent trees for two of the specs, so like you have more options. Um, you know, the 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 hard part for casuals though is like wrapping your head around like, okay, I need to get all the mods for all my weapons. What is this glimmer thing for and where do I spend it? Like that was a bit like Ray capped out his money yesterday and he didn't know what to spend his money on. So anything he earned last night as far as money goes just was worthless to him. Um, you know, and I'm like, well, you use it to buy bounties, which will give you reputation and better rewards so you can get better guns, as an example. Um, you know, there's just a lot. It, it's, it's very similar to a Lost Ark or a Final Fantasy or a World of Warcraft, where there's tons and tons and tons of systems. But if you don't have a friend to explain those, or you're like me, where you're just going to probe every system and screw up constantly till you learn it, um, you know, you're you're going to have a rough time, like, progressing at the... overwhelming. Yeah, like, you're going to have trouble at the end game. Not so much early game, because, like I said, the, ca the campaign on the normal difficulty is a fairly standard shooter, but with superpowers and loot. Like, if, you, if you've played Borderlands, you'd feel right at home. But on legendary, ho, oh, oh, get friends and be ready. Like I, I, I don't know what else to tell everyone. Like I was, I got texted from my friend Laura who plays, and she's like, "How far did you guys get last night? We're like level four out of nineteen. Like four out of nineteen. I'm like, yeah, no, dude. And three of that was on one level. So, yeah, yeah. The the computer, uh, like the AI on legendary, does not play fair. It it, it it it's just it punishes the weak um, it, it it punishes also lack of coordination like we really had to like sync up like we're like okay like ray you take left side i'll take right and we'll alternate pulling uh pulling the ball the the mini bosses back and forth and just like all this kind of stuff and then like we finally set up a strategy to beat it and we're like okay in phase two they're gonna spawn those melee guys that one hit kills so reg save your rocket ammo for that we'll drop rocket ammo on those and this is just a campaign boss this isn't even a raid fight or like a uh or a hard mode dungeon which is like a nightfall dungeon or nightfall strike that's what they call their like really hard mode for dungeons like, this is literally just a campaign dungeon, and it's... I love it because I like that kind of mechanics in MMOs. That's what I'm all about. I'm all about the sweaty raid mechanics. Um, like, that's why I always... That's why I did heroic raids in World of Warcraft. That's why, 
Uh, right now, I'm leveling in Final Fantasy, and I'm already telling like people in my guild, "All right, I'm gonna start doing. I'm gonna gear and start doing ultimates the second I cap. Be ready." So, like, if you're like that, this campaign is perfect for you. Like, my friend uh, David's like that. He finished the campaign in two days on Legendary by himself. Wow. Yeah, no, he's incredible at that game. Uh, I literally, uh, in our Discord, uh, for we have our Destiny, we have a side Discord from the channel for the Destiny players, um, just because we don't want to annoy the whole MMO channel. And uh, what what we uh, what we did with it is uh, like I literally sang the part of that Tenacious D song for David, where I'm just like, "Can't you see he's the man? Let me hear you applaud. He is more than a man. He's a shining golden god uh, for him." And like that, because that's the only way to describe that. Like, dude, like that campaign. Once again, it's ridiculous. So, have you been playing on Legendary? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, the the team that I I hooked in with. My group of friends, um, we play on the most challenging difficulty of whatever game it is, period. There is no other difficulty as far as we're concerned. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's just how we operate. That if, if we're not playing it on, you know, the AI is a, uh, an evil, cheating, miserable so-and-so, then we're, we're not doing the game right. Yeah, no, if you're not getting big sweaty, then don't play. That's yeah. one of the... <laughs> That's that's the rule. Like that's you know that's that's you're actually, not miserable. You're not having fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, because it's like it, it it's that Dark Souls mentality. Like Elden Ring just came out this week. Unfortunately, I can't afford to pick it up because I've bought too many games this month, like way too many. Uh, but you know, like Elden Ring just came out, and those Dark Souls games are like this, where just like the the feeling you get when you beat this like what feels like a freaking impossible task is so good it is better than anything in video games especially when you in a game like this where you coordinate to do it and just everyone is stoked um you know i've been playing mmo since i was like 13 and i remember back the first time in world of warcraft when we cleared molten core and ragnaros goes down and you have 40 people on ventrilo cheering that we just did this really cool hard thing uh like it's just magic it's video game magic is what it is and this game has that and, it, and it's always had that, but it's like witch queen is just another step up you know between the like the weapon crafting system that's so awesome uh i have uh we have one guy in our discord who has crafted every weapon except the bow and he's he's like a big fan of bows and arrows in that game and he's like they knew i'd be too powerful if i had it <laughs> uh, uh so just, humble but go ahead, sorry. I was just remarking so humble. But I do have a question. Um, if you were trying to get somebody who uh, might kind of be a little bit hesitant, you know, new player curiosity, how, how are you going to try and get – how would you want to get a new player into this game? What advice would you have for a new player? <sighs> new player into Destiny, uh, find some friends who play or go on the, uh, like, there are a lot of Destiny communities out there. They're they're really popular. Uh, if you just go into one of the Destiny community discords, you can find a Sherpa for almost anything. Uh, what a, what that is is the Destiny community has people who literally whole goal is to run new lights. That's what they call new players. New lights. Veteran players are guardians um, who are you know beings revived by the light. That's a lore thing. Um, the, the, to run new lights through content and get them to experience content for the first time. So, like, 
other so then eventually that person can become a sherpa and the community can grow and have plenty of people in it because um this game is best enjoyed with people it just is it's part of the reason why like everyone i know who likes shooters or mmos for the most part i try and get them to play um you know if you're if you're kind of more there for the story it does have a great story but it's not entirely told through the game itself unfortunately uh so like for example like i love the lore but that's because i've bought those four grimrar books and read the comics on their website and you know i get a lot of auxiliary stuff but yeah like have a friend come in and show you the ropes like i'm gonna be like obviously if you're new go through the tutorial get off the planet get into the tower and then your friend can come and be like okay this is the campaign this is pvp this is gambit okay we've we've you've leveled enough you've made enough progress we can take you into the into a raid and just give you simple instructions because uh the raids in destiny 2 are very communication heavy like there are literal raids i don't think you can really do without a microphone unless you guys have been doing it forever and are really coordinated like it's just not going to happen like there's this mechanic from the one we streamed like two weeks ago where um there are these lights these boxes of light that spawn in a particular order and uh you three of your teams in one dimension and the other ones in another dimension and you need to tell like you need to tell them what order they spawned in a b c um d e f or one two three four five six however you want to label it and if the uh, if the people in the other dimension do it in the wrong order or you tell them the wrong thing everyone instantly dies so yeah. as stuff a, like that. yeah so as a veteran mmo player like where do you rank this i mean you, you obviously used to hold uh, world of warcraft i mean that you still admit is like your favorite correct yeah wow is honestly still my favorite uh like current world of warcraft um is not but in general like throughout its history uh like it's it's in the upper half like upper middle it's in my top three probably even it's just that if you're kind of there for narrative uh or don't have friends to play with it's going to be a hard time because the game doesn't have built-in social structures to meet new people easily uh, it's not like WoW where I can just go into trade chat and be like, yo, what up homies? Who needs a tank? And like, I get 20 messages cause I'm the one tank on the server at that particular moment, you know, like, or it's not like final fantasy where you can go into novice chat if you're a new player and get, and just say, cause the way final fantasy does new players is you get a little sprout next to your name to show everyone that you're a new player. So people aren't going to be a dick to you um and like you'll get a lot of help from the community and stuff like that and destiny doesn't have that destiny just kind of throws you in and says hope you have friends or you figure it out good luck buddy uh and it's like that's kind of my only real problem with that and the lack of narrative it's kind of my opposite problem with final fantasy where final fantasy doesn't give you a ton of gameplay until you're like 15 levels in and it's just i hope you like story bro because you're going to be getting a lot of it. Um, like, here, enjoy this visual novel. Um, so definitely good for those that want to get into story lore. Yeah, like, if you're into... If you are a fan of story, like, Final Fantasy is is your MMO. Like, it's it's playing dress-up in story. That's what that game is. Um, that That's actually why I, I keep recommending it to you so hard. I'm just like, 
you're you're a writer and this game has tons of dress up which i know you love here play it play it play it um, I'll, I'll, it, I'll probably try to try it again at a later time uh, it's i for some reason that initial play attempt it i just didn't capture me but i mean i'm yeah i'm but not like, opposed to trying i'm i'm not an mmo yeah, I, I do know I do play some, so I'm not I'm not an I'm not an MMO noob by any means. But um, yeah, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, transition to our final uh, closing thoughts, weekend plans. Carry on. What do you What do you got planned for the weekend, or what kind of what thoughts do you just want to end on tonight? Uh well, this weekend I'm actually getting um, set up on doing a fair bit more writing. I'm actually uh, for Doomcock's channel. I am doing a D&D module, uh, like an old school D&D module, uh, Escape from Xanadoom. Um, the uh, general uh, idea of the module is you've been uh, kidnapped by the villain Dick, Victor, uh, Dictor Van Doomcock and have to escape his underground realm uh, in order to uh, survive and run into all the various characters and what have you that he's introduced along the way. So uh, I'm getting a chance to do a fair bit of the writing on that. And uh, it's been neat because I've been able to coordinate with a lot of the lore from some of the people that we've collected over the years. And uh, I'm getting a chance to finally compile a lot of that into the game mechanics now. So wow. uh, I'm planning on doing a fair bit of writing on that. Um, if I get very lucky, I'll have enough time to uh, continue on with uh, the new hobby I've picked up, which is 3D printing. Uh, I'm doing a lot of nice. resin printing right now. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. So I think that's my weekend uh, pretty tied up cool. there. I'll, I'll have to hit you up for a TOS phaser or something like that sometime. Uh, John, I have the you... uh, TOS tricorder, actually, ready to nice. go. Uh, scale? Yeah. Nice. Show accurate. That is, yeah, I think I saw, that was that, I think that was a limited release, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, uh, that's that's awesome. We'll have to showcase some of that stuff on another episode. John, what you got? Closing thoughts, closing plans for the weekend, closing stuff you'll be doing, games well, you'll be I, trying. I definitely want to thank our guests. Super appreciative of you guys taking the time to Absolutely. join our brand new podcast and get to uh, showcase some information on games that, like, for me, I haven't played Destiny in forever, and that uh, that conversation really made me think about it. Like, maybe I've been thinking about it the wrong way. So I really appreciate you gentlemen coming on, talking with us. Uh, for me, what I will be doing this week, I'm downloading Elden Ring. I already downloaded it, pre-ordered. I'm ready for it to drop tonight around 10 o'clock, hopefully, if it follows the Eastern clock. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Um, other than that, yeah. Pretty much Elden game, Ring. Game looks good. awesome. Game looks yeah, so it looks awesome. So pretty. Two videos I watched on it by Game Ranks. Shout out to Game Ranks. Like, oh man, it was good. Looks like a lot of fun. Bronson, final thoughts. Um, you know, just, uh, yeah. As far as plans go, it's basically uh, Destiny and Final Fantasy till the till the rails fall off. You know, um, and then uh, on Sunday morning we got the podcast. Uh, you know, video game news, video game reviews, uh, and 10:30 in the morning Pacific. Yeah, right on. Right on. Well, I'm I'm definitely gonna be uh, checking out the next episode of Severance as soon as it's available. Uh, and probably, despite my thoughts on it last week, I'm probably gonna be hitting some more Lost Ark this weekend. And uh, it's uh, you know, there's lots of things I hope it improves on, and I, we're definitely gonna do a follow up. Uh, segment in a couple months, but I still, uh, for what I've been playing on it, I really enjoy it a lot. Um, 
otherwise yeah to say what john said thank you guys so much for coming on this means a lot to us and uh we definitely want to have you all um on future podcasts or whenever y'all want to be here i mean we got we got plenty of room and plenty of time to talk about everything that's going on so uh, i think uh well maybe we'll probably just close out a little early nothing wrong we don't have to be exactly two hours long but definitely don't like to go over when I can avoid it, unless anyone's got last want to take up the last four minutes to tell the world what what you think matters or something. Well, I just wanted to say thank you to both of you guys for having uh, me on today. Uh, I really appreciate it. You guys have been wonderful hosts, and uh, yeah, you guys, uh, you know, you guys need a uh, deserve a lot more credit than you guys uh, have accrued so far. So uh, hopefully, uh, more people, uh, you know, like like the stream and share it out and. Uh, you know, let's let's get you guys the uh, the credit. You guys are are very very well earned. That, Thank uh, you so much for that. Yeah, I appreciate that it a lot. lot. That really does. He's, he's probably crying, but he does. I'm on camera, so I have to be the man in the room. No emotions. And now we know. Only what happy things. Off. You're insecure. Shut up. No, anyway. dude, you just you just push it down, just all the way down, <laughs> and then you yeah. pour scotch over it until it's push all. Oh, went too far off. down. Gotta go use the restroom. Have your feelings out loud. Uh, anyway. <laughs> They make a poopy joke. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Bronson, we got three minutes left. What you got? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I don't got really much, man. Just like we got our stream tomorrow at 8 p.m. where we're reviewing Peacemaker. I know you guys did that last week. Uh, nothing shocking. I have good things to say about it as I have the entire eight weeks that it ran. You know, uh, probably my favorite superhero show besides maybe Loki. Um, you know, yeah. and yeah uh it i loved peacemaker it was great thank you know thank you gentlemen for having me it was fun sorry i was late uh i had dinner with the we had i had dinner with the roommate schedule and that shit ran way way longer than we thought it would so you know uh yeah no i i totally you know i would definitely be late to your show if if i had in and out in my neighborhood absolutely (laughs) worth it yeah we have we have three now Ah, uh, must be nice. Could you, you know, you wouldn't mind going to put one on a truck and send it up here for us? It's, That'd it's be just, great. It just molds over the like two days it's traveling. Just here's your burger, because <laughs> no, the... no, I meant like bring the restaurant. <laughs> uh, uh, well, with that, I think we've said all we've been wanting to say today. So uh, I'll just uh, finish out by saying thank you for watching today. Or listening on a follow-on time. Um, we're definitely not hurt if you don't watch us live. But uh, we're here every Thursday at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. My name is Petey York, reminding you, always don't, do not, be a penis. Obligatory like and subscribe remark. Oh, shit, that's right. Obligatory like and subscribe remark! <laughs>